It's the next level. At the beginning of time, aliens came to the Earth to create the ultimate organic weapon. They created mankind. By planting a special gene into man, they created the Zoonoids, humans who can change at will into super monster soldiers. Eons later, the Zoonoid leader, called the Zoolord, has awakened and formed the Kronos Corporation to further develop the Zoonoid technology for world domination. Among the alien remains was found the unit, a bio-boosted alien armor. Worn by the aliens, it serves as an ordinary shield. If the wearer is human, it increases his natural powers a hundredfold. He becomes the Giver. But how to activate it remains a mystery. Dr. Tetsu Sagawa, a research scientist at Kronos, senses danger if this unit is activated by the Zoa Lord. Now the doctor has stolen it and is on the run. Do you ever fantasize about being killed? Do you ever wonder about all the different ways of dying, you know, violently? I wonder, like, what would be the most horrible way to die? Well, hello, Mr. Fancy. movie contains material that may not be suitable for all viewers. Your discretion is advised. You know, as much as people said last year that it was like, you know, a really shitty year and whatnot, the year 2020 just rolled off your tongue so nicely. So you're going to be tough because like 2021 doesn't roll off as nicely off the tongue as 2020 did. Oh, I know. 2020 was a dumpster fire. I've heard it many, many times. But yeah, I was thinking about that. Because I was trying to think of how I was going to open up this episode. And Right now, the hamster in the wheel, he's not moving very fast. I think he's got a few broken legs. But um, anyways, I was like, how do I, like, do I say, like, welcome back? to the new episode, first episode of 2021. And I was like, oh, man, it sounds, doesn't have that ring to it like 2020 did. But I know a lot of people are like, oh, let's forget 2020 ever existed. It's kind of hard. Have you been on social media lately? I swear to God, like you'd never know that the year changed. It's still the same shit. But oh well. The podcast, on the other hand, well, figured new year, new season of episodes, start off with a doozy. So, coming to you from the Next Level Network of Podcasts and Studio Zero, your favorite podcast. I know it's not your favorite podcast, but 
you came back, so that's saying something. Ah, welcome back, everyone, to What Works Behind Podcast Zero. And I am your host, Postmortem Paul. And yeah, so 2021. I've seen this thing on the internet. It's like something about do we realize that the next year basically says 2021, one being spelled W-O-N. And I was like, why do we do that? We corporealize years. Like, if a famous person dies in, you know, a certain year, we like, fuck you, 1986. Fuck you, 2002 or whatever. Like, we do that. We have this thing where we... We give the year its own, like, personification. We did it all last year, with 2020. You can stop anytime now, 2020. It's like... Years is like... It's it just... Uh, it's a form of measurement. You know what I mean? Like, it's just... Same with, like, seasons and months and days. And, but it's not... It's not a... It's not an actual figure... I don't know. This is the little universe where my my brain tends to wander. I will say, though, that since we last met, I've done absolutely nothing but watch TV. And, well, the day job thing. But, um, yeah, it was funny. I was, like, doing my notes this week, and I'm like, well, I know I said I wasn't going to do these opening monologue kind of things, but... I don't know. Sometimes I feel like I'm cheaping out if I just jump right into the trailer timeout and stuff like that. So I was like, nah, you know what? Stick with the format the way it was, especially in this part of the show. So I was like thinking about like, you know, things to talk about, like to open up the show. And I'm like, well, let's see. I've watched Cobra Kai. Um, I've watched WandaVision. I've watched Ghost in the Shell, Standalone Complex. First gig, and I'm currently working through second gig. Plus, this episode is coming a week late because in order to do this movie review properly, I had to watch in a certain anime that's kind of tied in with it. And I was like, man, I've watched a lot of TV. I haven't done much else. On top of the fact of, like, you know, football playoffs, which this year absolutely sucks. Every team I like is out. Great. Um, and hockey's back. Yay. It makes me laugh, too. Like, I don't know. It, obviously, sporting talk, you're like, well, who cares? But, um, like, when you watch the opening of, like, an NHL game, it's just kind of funny because there's no one in the stands, but the lights are all going, they got fireworks going off and everything. I'm like, wow, TV ratings are that important, aren't they? Like, it just seems funny when you're watching a hockey game that they're doing all these things for and yet there's no one in the stands like okay as much as I get it I understand the national anthem thing but they'll like bring out like this special celebrity singer for the national anthem I'm like why (laughs) like the players are there to play a game they don't give a shit but I don't know again it just funny little things that I notice that I'm kind of like wait what (laughs) But yeah, so watch Cobra Kai. 
And I know it's kind of interesting. None of these shows that I watched are technically horror related, but they're all like fantasy and, you know, sci fi and stuff like that. Because Cobra Kai is definitely fantasy, that's for sure. <laughs> um, it's, it, it's got to keep in mind, it's geared towards teens, right? So I, here I am, 45 year old man watching a teenage show going, some of this drama is very unneeded, but. I mean, overall, it's it's a cool show. Uh, seasons one and three are really good. That second one in between was kind of like, you know, you could have taken this whole season out, gotten straight from season one to season three, and we would have been perfectly fine with it. But, you know, it is what it is. Um, season two was just a lot of like, oh, Someone told me you said this. I'm not going to ask you if you said it. I'm just going to believe them because now let's fight. And that was like basically every episode. Every episode was like, oh, the episode before, you really like these two people getting along? Yeah, next episode, we're going to break them apart. And it's going to be over something stupid like, you know, did you know that your nail polish on your finger is is a, a lighter shade of blue than matches your eyes? That's it. Let's fight. Like... It's kind of funny, um, and it was, it was season two was very predictable. It was like you could just see things happening before the two episodes before it even happens. You're like, oh, I see where this is going, and it it was very predictable. Season three less predictable. Um, season three definitely had the help from the special appearances. I will not spoil those, but let's just say if you know the movies. The special appearances are a welcome addition in season three. So yeah, I did that. And WandaVision, I just checked that out two days ago. And the internet acted exactly like I expected the internet would. A lot of people saying this was boring, this sucked. It's like, you guys, after a decade of Marvel movies and you still haven't figured it out. Marvel is always going to hint to what's coming next. Always. Always, always, always. And WandaVision is no different. They are literally setting up things. I know you watch it and you go, this is like watching those cheesy 50s and 60s sitcom shows. Yep. But it's all the little clues that are hidden in the episode. That are telling you what's actually going on. And... It was funny because I was watching it, and like the first episode, I was like, this is like cheesy beyond cheesy. It was like almost embarrassing. It was like one of those moments where like, you know, when you're watching a show and you're embarrassed for the characters, it's like, wow, this is fucking bad. But it was funny, and it was, I mean, obviously, the movie I'm talking about today is fucking bad yet good movie, so, which I still, I know, you're all like, he didn't even announce what this week's movie is. Don't worry, it's coming. I'm doing things a little differently here. But, um, yeah, no, after watching WandaVision, I, I, because I'm just a glutton for punishment, I was like, let's see what the internet had to say. And people reacted exactly like I knew they would. This show sucks. There's no, This is a throwaway show. This and that's like, wow. You know that the second episode especially, like the little opening scene where it's like, it's supposed to be like the opening credits and it's totally ripping off Bewitched. 
but it's doing it because of all the little clues and little images that you're supposed to catch and like those commercials in between like the segments for both episodes that is and stuff it's like yeah there, there's a lot of hints and then people were going on about how the credits are so long it's like did you read them <laughs> there's shit scattered throughout all the credits it's like it's not just credits like haven't you guys just don't figure this out yet I remember there was that way back when when they were like oh Marvel has trained people to stay for the credits because of the end the you know the extra end credit scene it's like well some of us used to watch credits back in the day I always did because I always liked the music that played for it so they always play like some cool song or you know sometimes the theme music was just like you just wanted that extra five minutes of theme music because it was so good during the movie Lord of the Rings was great for that um Star Wars is another one that was great for that um so I've always been kind of that kid that watched the credits not always but I remember like Masters of the Universe from 1987 I believe it is um there's an end credit scene and most people didn't know it was there and I was like I did <laughs> but that was me anyways I was kind of like the oddball and whatever but um yeah, when people were complaining that, well, seven minutes of credits. Well, there was a reason for that. Um, but, yeah. Anyways, uh, some people aren't going to like WandaVision and whatever. That's that's fine. I personally enjoyed it. I thought it was, it was intriguing. <laughs> Very much. Um, I did say I watched Ghost in the Shell, Standalone Complex. Uh, I've killed off first gig yet again. And I'm doing a rewatch of second gig right now. First gig is extremely relevant these days. There's so many little things that I was noticing in the episodes. I'm like, man, this show aged well. <laughs> you know what else aged well is Matrix Reloaded. And you're like, really? He's talking about one of the Matrix sequels? But there is some shit in that movie that when it came out in what, 2003? Two or 2003, I think, is when Reloaded came out. You know, we watched it back then. We were like, well, all right. It was kind of, it was okay. It was, it, you know, it wasn't The Matrix and it wasn't The, the Animatrix. It was, it, but it was, it was decent. People enjoyed it. You watch it now and some of the dialogue is so fitting for our current, you know, time frame. And it was like, Wow, this this aged well. The Matrix movies are something I will be doing at some point this year. I just not sure when yet, um, because Matrix Four, well, they're calling it the. I believe it's tentatively called the Matrix, which, again, we already have that. Can't you get a little creative? But I mean, I understand the movie still in post production, so anything can happen. That's supposed to come out Christmas of 2021. Like, I think the date was like December 21st or 22nd or something like that. So at some point this year, I am going to talk about the Matrix movies. But this week, we're talking about something totally different. Um, because I did say I watched another series. And that series um, was 12 episodes of a 1989 anime that goes by the same title as this week's featured review. Aha! See, it's all coming together now. But, um, 
Yeah, I love anime. I'm not going to lie. I'm not. There are some people out there that are just anime nerds. They know their shit. I'm not that. <laughs> I like my anime, and there's a lot of them that I do enjoy watching, but I am not Mr. Know-it-all of knowing everything and stuff, and which includes this movie. So long story short, which gets into how we're going to talk about this week's movie. Um, there's a Canadian website, Unobstructed View. They sell Blu-rays, DVDs, a whole nine yards. They had their Boxing Day sale. And I was looking around and I'm like, you know, checking out different titles. There was nothing that was really catching my attention. And then one movie stood out. And of course, first, <laughs> before I even noticed the movie title, it was the fact that it said Mark Hamill was attached to it. And I'm like, hmm, I like Mark Hamill, especially after, um, you know, Mandalorian. I've not spoiled it up to this point, but yeah, Luke Skywalker came back, bitches. So, and if you don't know that by now, that's your own damn fault. <laughs> but yeah, so I see Mark Hamill's name and I'm like, ooh, what movie is this? And then I notice the title and I'm like, that sounds familiar. So I read up the synopsis of the movie and I was like, I've seen this shit. I saw this years ago, late night cable, back in the days when I was like, I don't know, teen, early 20s, around there. I can't remember the exact year or date I saw this movie for the first time, but... I remember it was a late night cable movie and it was just the effects caught my attention. Like it was just like the costumes and whatnot. I was like, what the fuck am I watching? And so it was something that I saw back then, and then it just kind of slipped my memory and I forgot all about it. And all this time, like I've had friends telling me to watch this specific anime, never put one and one together that the anime that they were telling me about, I'd already seen the live-action movie way back when I was a wee little tot. So, in a roundabout kind of way, last week, basically, I gunned through the 12 episodes of the 1989 anime Giver Bio-Boosted Armor, which also, I believe it was in 2005, I'm thinking, there was another a reboot so to speak of the anime which was like 26 episodes long 23 or 26 but i wanted to watch specifically the 1989 version because it was part of the basis for this week's movie review the movie that i'm about to talk about movie called the giver and yes mark hamill's in it and there's a whole whack load of other celebs that are in it that I'm going to talk about when I do the review. But yeah, so I was watching the anime and then it was funny because while I was doing that, going like, you know, gunning through that, getting prepared for this week's episode, WandaVision dropped and all these people are talking online about how WandaVision is this and WandaVision's that. And I'm like, I haven't watched it yet. So stay off social media, which is pretty much what I do these days anyways. <laughs> it's not hard. Um, which I apologize to anyone who follows the Twitter account, Instagram account, or Facebook account. Yeah, I know. I've been kind of MIA for a while. Um, it's just been a personal thing for me to kind of stay off social media. So I go on there and I'll like, you know, post something really quickly and then I just put my phone away for a while. It's kind of funny because like I, th I think some people get annoyed with me because they can text me and I don't reply for like, seven hours sometimes seven days <laughs> it's like sorry i didn't get the message but yeah i 
I'm always keeping myself occupied doing other things. So, but anyways, enough of the chit chat. It's time to move on to trailer timeout, and when we return from that. The shared podcast experience is going to be episode 84, 84th episode. It's also the first episode of 2021. And we're going to talk about a movie that has several titles. One country, the title really didn't make sense. But anyways, uh, it has multiple titles. But here in North America, it's known as The Giver. And yeah, Trailer Time Out is now... Back in the Splat Kids. Extrañas criaturas recorren Los Ángeles en busca de un dispositivo blindado, parte de un experimento para controlar la ciudad. Como toman aspecto de humanos, es difícil encontrarlas, pero un joven karateca que las conoce muy bien se une a un agente de la CIA para destruirlas. Mutronics, David Gale, Jack Armstrong. Mark Hamill, Mutronics, una producción ND Video Home. Pídala en su video club. Mutronics, the movie. No, no, don't worry about it. Your podcast is playing fine. Nothing is wrong. That's just the uh, the trailer from Argentina that I didn't tell you I was going to throw in this. Um, yeah, so trying to find a North American trailer proved to be a bit of a daunting task. So you guys got the Argentinian one. Um, I mean, there was there's a lot of fan-made trailers for this movie, actually, which none of them really had... A lot of dialogue so it would have just been a lot of music with sound effects and you'd be like wow that's the most boring trailer we've ever heard on this show so i thought why not i'll just troll you guys and use the argentinian trailer there was that one or i could have used the one the the dutch trailer there was that one too but i, I the argentinian one i thought was kind of funny not funny i mean it's their language right but it's just Considering the majority of my listeners are English-speaking people <laughs> that might not know the Argentinian language. Probably like, what the fuck am I listening to? Yeah. Anyways, moving on to this movie. The Giver. Actually has multiple titles. I'll explain in a second. The Giver, however, in North America was released April 21st, 1991. In Europe and South America, it's known as Mutronics. Now, interestingly enough, in the United States, the movie is called The Giver. In Canada and the UK, it's called Giver. And in Greece, Alien Cop. I have no fucking clue how they came up with Alien Cop. But apparently in Greece, the movie is known as Alien Cop. Okay. The movie is directed by Steve Wang and Screaming Mad George. Steve Wang uh, also would go on to direct the sequel, Giver Dark Hero, which uh, I have a little bit more on that later on in the show. But anyways, 
both him and Screaming Mad George, I'm, I'm going to just say this right now, they're both more known for their special effects work. Um, Steve Wang worked on movies like Monster Squad, Nightmare on Elm Street 5, Gremlins 2, Idle Hands, Underworld and Underworld Evolution, and most recently he worked on Bill and Ted Face the Music. Screaming Mad George, on the other hand, he did a lot of special effects work for movies like Predator, Nightmare on Elm Street 4, Curse 2, Bride of Reanimator, Silent Night, Deadly Night 5, Children of the Corn 3, Beyond Reanimator, and The Dentist 2. And both gentlemen helped on the special effects for this movie as well. So that's where the, that's where their strength is, is both of them are known for special effects work. Um, I, I mean, Screaming Mad George only had one other film that he's ever directed. It was it was a short film known as Boy in the Box. Um, and like I said, Steve Wang is the director for the sequel of this. Guyver, Dark Hero. The producer for The Guyver is Brian Usna. Gee, I don't know that name at all. He's just, you know, familiar with movies like... Reanimator, Dolls, The Dentist, Return of the Living Dead 3, From Beyond, The Dentist 2, Bride of Reanimator, Beyond Reanimator, Society, Silent Night, Deadly Night 5, Rottweiler, and Dagon. I love Dagon. You guys know that. I've already reviewed that for this show. Dagon is fucking awesome. Screenplay is by John Purdy, although certain sources were also telling me it was John Woo Jr., but, yeah, I... I went based off of IMDb and the fact that the movie I have says <laughs> screenplay, screenplay was by John Purdy. Uh, he also worked on Reflections on a Crime and Unabomber, The True Story. This story of The Giver is based off of characters created by Toshiki Takaya. Um, again, manga, anime came out before this this is one of those you know american adaptations you know live action adaptations of a japanese anime look i'm not trying to be that guy and all but to be fair the majority of movies that come out of hollywood always seem like they were you know spurned somewhere else in the world first and hollywood said Ooh, we'll take that thank you this was another one of those cases the thing is, though, is that, like, Steve Wang and Screaming Mad George and Brian Usna had a lot of um, support from yeah, uh, Toshiki uh, in terms of, like, you know, making this movie. Um, unfortunately, they Americanized it instead of keeping it in Japan. That's one thing that's always sort of bothered me, but whatever. Film editor for this movie was Andy Horvich. He's worked on movies like American Ninja, Rawhead Rex, Demonic Toys, Crocodile, Rottweiler, and Possessed. Music by Matthew Morse, who also did soundtrack work for Silent Night, Deadly Night 5, and Ninja Vengeance. The costume design for this movie was done by Linda L. Meltzer, who also worked on movies like Child's Play 2, Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey, Nine and a Half Ninjas, and Man's Best Friend. Her career, though, was very short-lived. Um, I'm assuming it was her own choice. I couldn't find out why it was like this, but she basically worked in the film 
the, like the field of film work and whatnot uh, between the years of 1990 and 94. After that, she hasn't done anything since. She's still alive, so it's not that, you know, it's not that she passed away or anything. It's just, I guess she chose to go on to other things. Our starring cast. Yes, the poster tells you, Mark Hamill. What it doesn't tell you is he's the supporting actor. Your starring role of Sean Barker, also known as LeGyver, is played by Jack Armstrong. And he played Captain Comet in the 2001 series of The Tick. He also did a lot of, like, he's done a lot of, like, I think, soap opera work and stuff like that. But um, in terms of, like, you know, mainstream movies, if you want to call this a mainstream film. But, uh, um, yeah, he hasn't done a whole lot. But he's our starring actor in this one. Mark Hamill. As Max Reed, he's your supporting actor in this movie. Although, you know, I was trying to think about it. I'm like, why is Mark Hamill so famous? I don't... I had to think about it, and I was like, wait, 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 wait. He was that that Skywalker guy. Yeah, that's who Mark Hamill was. He was that Skywalker guy, you know. The one that when, like, like everybody, like, saw like that Skywalker guy in the Mandalorian and then we heard the voice and grown men were crying tears of joy. Yeah, that's Mark Hamill. He's also um oh that guy that laughs a lot. Um the Joker. Yeah. From that uh that Batman thing. Batman. Who's Batman? Yeah, Batman, whatever. Um he also used that same voice that he used for the Joker. He also used it as the for the Hobgoblin in Spider-Man. And he's also, he was in a big remake recently, wasn't he? Um, oh, yeah, with the killer doll. Uh, the Chucky movies. Because no one ever calls them child's play movies. Uh, yeah, he was the voice of Chucky. Um, but, I mean, Mark Hamill's done... A lot. You know, he was in Body Bags. He was in Village of the Damned, the remake. Um, it's amazing how many people don't realize that that movie was a remake. It's like, shame on you. How do you not know that there were two films that came out before years ago? Um, but yeah. Um, what else has he been in? Slipstream? <laughs> okay, I'll stop. But yeah. We all know Mark Hamill, Luke Skywalker. Vivian Wu as Mizki Sagawa. Um, she was she's more or less a very famous actress, like in in a lot of Asian films and whatnot, but a lot of people in North America know her from either The Last Emperor or Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 3. And then she was in various episodes of TV shows like Tales from the Crypt, Highlander, Millennium. Etc. Etc. David Gale as Fulton Balkus. David Gale. Didn't I talk about him last year? Oh yeah, he's like the the talking head in Reanimator. Yeah, that guy. He's a great actor, by the way. But yeah, he was in Reanimator, Bride of Reanimator, The Brain, The First Power, which I believe Lou Diamond Phillips is also in that movie. 
Uh, but David Gale passed away in August of 1991, four months after the release of this movie. Um, two other films were released with him in it after The Giver, but yeah, The Giver was one of his last roles. That's kind of a shame. Such a great actor, though. Oh, and he chews up the scenery in this movie. Michael Berryman as Lisker. Um, Berryman. Okay, for those of you who may not know the name, just think The Hills Have Eyes and The Hills Have Eyes 2, the poster artwork. He's the face on there, okay? Uh, but yeah, that's Michael Berryman. And most people listening to this show know who he is. He was also in Weird Science, Haunting Fear, Double Dragon. Yes, I said Double Dragon. I might kind of like that movie, even though I know I have no taste in film. So you guys know this. He was also in The Devil's Rejects. We'll move on to an even better actor. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. The actors get better. Jimmy Walker as MC Stryker. I'll talk a bit more about that in a minute. But yeah, where do we know Jimmy Walker from? Maybe Good Times. Oh, and I'll say it now. Yes, this movie has a dynamite quote. Yeah, it's there. He was also an airplane. He was in Plump Fiction. I'm not kidding. That's a movie, kids. Plump Fiction. 2.7 out of 10 rating on IMDb. Check it out today. I give it my full A-plus grading. <laughs> no, I don't. Shriek, if you know what I did last Friday the 13th. He was in that, too. Um, Moving on to Speeder, Peter, Speeder, Peter Spellos. As Ramsey, uh, anime voice actor, did a lot of anime anime voice work, um, including Ghost in the Shell and Cowboy Bebop. But some of you may know him if you're familiar with the Nightmare on Elm Street film series. Uh, you would probably recognize him from Freddy's Dead: The Final Nightmare. He plays Tracy's father. You know, the scene in Freddy's Nightmare, uh, Freddy's Nightmares, Freddy's Dead. When uh, Tracy is dreaming of her father, Freddie's like, you know, playing as her father in her dream, and she's got the 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 clothes iron, and she's smacking him over the face over and over. That that guy, yeah, he's Tracy's father, but he plays Ramsey in this movie. Spice Williams Crosby as Weber. Weber is like you know Lisker's, I guess, girlfriend in this. Um, She's primarily a stunt woman, though, and TV actress. So she's done a lot of movies. Just she was like, kind of like doing the stunts for other actors and whatnot. Willard E. Pugh as Colonel Castle, who uh, he was also in RoboCop Two and The Hills Have Eyes. Jeffrey Combs as Doctor East. Wait, what? East? I thought he was West. I thought he was Herbert. Yes, he was Herbert West in the Reanimator films. It's kind of an inside joke with this movie, you know. Kind of, he was Herbert West, and now in this one, he's Doctor East. And again, he's in the movie very minimal, but man, does he chew up the scenery when he's there? <laughs> it's awesome. He was also in movies like From Beyond and Would You Rather, amongst many others, of course. David Wells as Dr. Gordon. Uh, he was in movies like Starman, Society, and Silent Night, Deadly Night 4. Scream Queen, Linnea Quigley. As Scream Queen. Yeah, that's what she's... That's her credit in this movie. You have to... She interacts with uh, Jimmy Walker's 
uh, zoonoid character. It's kind of funny. Um, but where do we know Linnea from? Maybe like Return of the Living Dead. Uh, sorority Babes in the Slimeball Bowlerama. Silent Night, Deadly Night. The Barn. Pumpkinhead 2. Savage Streets. Yeah, she's done a lot of movies we've seen. And finally, Greg Paik as Dr. Tetsu Sagawa. He was also in movies like Crash, Balls of Fury, and Get Smart. The movie is rated PG-13 for violence and language. The runtime of the theatrical version was an hour and 28 minutes. The director's cut an hour and 32 minutes. This movie is available. Well, in two of the the formats, it's currently out of print. But if you can find it, you can find it on VHS, DVD, or Blu-ray. Arrow Video re-released the movie, I should say. Um, in 2016 and 2018. In 2016, it was in the UK only. If you had a region-free Blu-ray, Blu-ray player, you could have bought it back then. But uh, And then North America got it in 2018. I have the Canadian exclusive version. Apparently, apparently the Canadian and the US version are different. I, I don't know why. But it might have something to do with the title. Because the word the. <laughs> I don't know. Um The synopsis for this film is as follows. Jack Armstrong plays a college student thrust into superheroism when he finds The Giver, an alien device that transforms him into a super-powerful fighting machine. Hi-ya! Mark Hamill is featured as a CIA agent determined to keep the secret device from falling into the perilous hands of evil zoonoids. Human mutants who metamorphize into monstrous soldiers. It's a thrill-a-minute action adventure with epic battles between the forces of good and evil. I know when I say evil, it kind of reminded me of when I did my episode last year of New Year's New Year's Evil. But yeah, okay. <laughs> Anyways, notes from the Kronos Corporation. So, let's see. Like I said, part of the reason why this episode is coming a bit later is because if I was going to do this episode, I wanted to do it right. So I wanted to have the back knowledge of the anime that inspired this. It's a 12 episode, uh, they call them OVAs, uh, was an original video animation or anime or whatever, um... It was a 12-episode season, let's say, from 1989. Uh, Pretty much a good portion of what this movie was based on, including the manga as well. Uh, Brian Usna confirmed that in the 2016 Blu-ray Extra interview, uh, which is, I think, something like 10 or 15 minutes on the Blu-ray. It's worth worth watching. I watched it when I watched, you know, rewatched this movie and whatnot. Um... But yeah, so I wanted to watch the anime so I could see the differences. And I wanted it because people had told me to watch this anime, you know, and it was weird because I never put one and one together that I had already seen the live action film years ago on cable. But now I've seen both the anime and the film. I went and refreshed my memory on it. And there's a lot of changes 
between the original anime and the American live action adaptation. Uh, for example, like Sean. Jack Armstrong's character is called Sean in this. In the anime, the character's name is Sho. Um, Mizki in, like, Vivian Wu's character is known as Mizki. In the anime, it's Mizuki. Um, Sean, or Sho's best friend, uh, Tetsuru, is not in this movie. So his character has been taken out. But Max Reed is a character that's not in the anime. So Mark Hamill's character was created for this movie. Um, in terms of the zoonoids and whatnot, there is a specific zoonoid in the anime known as the Enzyme. It is technically in this movie, but it's done in a different context. Um, I, being this movie is from 1991, and I'm going to be talking in full depth, I'm going to tell you right now, Mark Hamill is the one who will turn into the Enzyme. I'm not going to tell you what his purpose of being the enzyme is or whatnot, but let's just say it's it's more of a reflection. In the anime, Sho finds out that the Cronus Corporation has kidnapped his father, and they experiment on his father, and they turn him into the enzyme. And then at one point, the Giver in the enzyme, well, it, his father is enzyme you know, 2.0, I guess, or whatever, because they had one prior to it, Giver killed that one. So this time, in order to make the fight more, have more stakes, they experimented on his father, turned Sho's father into the enzyme. Now Sho has to fight his father, ends up killing him, and it fucks with him. And it's a whole great story to it. In this, they turn Mark Hamill's character of Max Reed into the enzyme, but Sean doesn't technically fight him. It's It's approached differently. So... There's that. Uh, there's a, a very main character in the anime, in the 89 anime known as Ag Ag Agito. He's not in this movie. Um, the live action adaptation is more or less a variation on the story of the first episode of that anime. And then the end of the movie it kind of like jumps over a lot and is pretty much the, the sixth episode of the anime series. Um, to best explain this, when the, when the anime was released on DVD, it was released in two volumes, volume one and volume two. Volume one was the first story arc. Volume two was the second story arc. This movie focuses on the story arc of the volume, like the first volume, the first six episodes. Um, but it cuts out a lot of the middle stuff. So it goes from episode one to technically episode six. That's your that's your movie. Um, and also the characters of Sean and Miski in this are older than Sho and Mizuki were in the anime. Like the anime takes place with high school students. Where in this they're college student college students and young adults and whatnot. So and I will say this, the anime is a lot more violent than this movie is. Um, more later on Dark Hero, the second film, but the second film is a lot more violent. And that's the thing. When I was watching this movie, I was thinking to myself, you know, when I saw this when I was younger, I thought it was a lot more violent than what I was seeing. Like when I'm watching the Blu-ray and I'm like, the Blu-ray is a director's cut. 
So why does it feel like it's not as violent as I remember? Well, that's because the director's cut is actually the milder version so that they could guarantee their rating of PG-13. Um, yeah. Because I could swear that when I saw this, I, th- there was a scene that I was almost positive that one of the zoonoids had their arm ripped off. Yeah, they do. And apparently their neck is snapped as well. There's more blood spatter in the original VHS version and the version that was aired on late night cable TV when I was a young one. I mean, I don't want to take away from this. The the director's cut still has a lot of action and there is violence and a lot of humor, but it was it was interesting because like I mean, like I said, like I hadn't seen this since early 90s. You know, it might have been what 92, 93, whatever it was when I saw it on cable. So I mean, like we're we're going back like <laughs> almost 30 years since I had seen this movie and it was like, I could have swore it was a lot more violent than this, but it's because the director's cut made a lot of, they made a lot of cuts to the action and the violence, but then they added more dialogue. Um, like there's the scene where, uh, Ms. Key is finding out about her father's passing and whatnot. Max Reed is telling her about it. And apparently that goes on longer in the director's cut than it did in the original cut and blah 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 anyways it is what it is that being said the movie is still enjoyable but you have to approach this in the right manner you have to understand what you're getting into like this is basically a rubber suit kind of movie you know ninja turtle style like ninja turtles movie came out in 1990 i believe 89 or 90 this is basically trying to cash in on that feel that those kinds of movies um the movie itself though like the guyver is a bit darker at times and a bit campier at other times and i say campier and i say you have to approach this the right way because jimmy walker's character if you are not ready for what you are about to see he will annoy the fuck out of you he turns everything into a rap and I realized, like, at the time, like, what else did we had? What was that Vanilla Ice movie, Cool as Ice? You know, uh, Ninja Turtles rap was a big thing. Like, it was right at that time when we were going from the really amazing 80s of hip-hop music. And then there was, like, this really bad moment where rap was, like, really horrible. And then it got good again. And all of a sudden you had like, you know, the fucking Wu-Tang Clan and Eminem and all these fucking like awesome method. Well, Method Man's part of Wu-Tang. But well, let's put it this way. The Wu-Tang Clan alone like released how many great rap albums, both solo and group. Um, so but yeah, like you get what I'm saying. Like there was like that really small bad period where it was like Vanilla Ice was like the big thing. Well, Jimmy Walker, apparently they wanted to cash in on that whole idea they made his character a rapping zoonoid and it's zoa annoying <laughs> um if you can get past him and the whole rappy thing and the whole schlocky use of dynamite trust me that comes at the very end of the movie so it won't affect your viewing very much but um if you can get past that this movie is actually quite solid um david gale is a treasure He's a 
He's such a gem. Him and Jeffrey Combs. One, it's a delight to see them on the screen together again. And two, they play off each other so well. You got to keep in mind, in Reanimator, Herbert West was working for Dr. Carl Hill. In this, it's now like, well, and he was experimenting on him and cut his head off. And, you know, Gail was the talking head. Ha ha ha. But um, (laughs) in this, it's different because it's like Gail is, he's he's still like kind of like the boss figure and whatnot. But like Jeffrey Combs is a zoonoid named Dr. East, which yes, I already made mention of the fact that he was Herbert West in the, in the reanimator films here. He's Dr. East. So obviously it was a little cute joke that they had going there. Uh, Mark Hamill. Um, this is not your Luke Skywalker. That's for sure. Uh, he, he's got a mustache going. His face looks somewhat thinner. Um, but you got to keep in mind, first off, this is, Eight years after Return of the Jedi was released. Um, so he's a bit more older. This was around the time that, you know, Slipstream and Body Bags came out. Uh, Village of the Damned was four years away from this. Um, at the time this came out, he was also in the TV series The Flash. Not the CW one, but the original one from 1991. He was the trickster. Uh, he was also in Sleepwalkers. Un- uncredited cameo, but yes, he was in Sleepwalkers. I mean, he was he was doing a lot at the time, but it was it's a lot of roles that kind of went under the radar, you know. So there was there was quite a lot a, a lot back then where people didn't realize, you know, Mark Hamill was very active, and I mean, this was a year before Batman came out, the animated series. So he had he wasn't even doing the Joker yet at this point. Um, but he plays Max Reed in this, the detective who is investigating the Cronus Corporation and the death of Dr. Segwa. Um, I did mention about, like, you know, they kind of mislead with the um, the promotion of this film. The poster artwork shows the once it shows the Giver head, but like one side is the Giver face, and then the other side is Mark Hamill's face. A lot of people were led to believe that Mark Hamill was the Giver. No, instead, he's just some CIA agent who's, you know, he's a detective. So even back in 1991, fake news, everyone. No, no. Um, but yeah, it was somewhat false advertising, I guess. But but it was a cool looking poster. <laughs> so who gives a shit? Um, moving on to the Giver and the Zoonoids. Okay, so special effects, the costumes and whatnot, the suits look awesome. Um, I say that, yes, okay. Here's the thing, I mean, you have one Zoonoid that looks like an overgrown gremlin on meth. Uh, another one that looks like a mutated cross between Zool, the Predator, and Smaug. Um, there's a bird-like zoonoid. Looks like she's all spun out on the pipe. That's the female. That's Weber. Weber's character is a zoonoid that looks like this, like, really strung out ostrich that's, like, put on a lot of weight. But, I mean, like, the funny thing is, is, like, the woman herself, like, is, she's a nice, you know, average build. But then when she turns into a a zoonoid, like, they kind of plump her out. So, but, I mean, they're, they're suits, right? It's rubber suits, it's it's feathers, it's 
their creations like this. It's purely practical effects. This is a practical effects. Heaven is this movie. Um, and it works. Uh, again, like I said, like kind of like cashing in on the idea of the, the teenage mutant Ninja Turtles movie that came out in 1990. I believe it's 90. Um, you know, the, the, the rubber suit turtles. Well, this, the Zoonoids look like that. The Giver, I'm not going to lie. The Giver looks pretty damn good. Like they did a, the passion and detail that went into it. Like, I mean, okay, obviously Brian Usna, he known for bringing that kind of passion to it. And then you have like, you know, effects wizards like Steve Wang and screaming mad George. Like it makes sense. It, it, you can understand why it sort of, it really works. Like, it's a shame this movie goes like under the radar because there's a lot of like craftsmanship that went into this film. Yeah. I mean, it, the, the humor kind of takes away from it. It really does. I mean, it's fun. It, this is one of those movies to just shut your brain off and just go with it and have fun with it. But I mean, the Giver creation, especially like, and it looks like it did in the anime and the manga. Like, they paid attention to detail. I, I thought that was really cool. I might also add, though, that that's something else that's different about this from the anime. In the anime and the original story, there were three Giver suits. In here, in this movie, there's only one. So you don't have Giver 2, you don't have Giver 3, which you had in the anime and you had in the manga. Um, probably the reason why Agito's character was you know, null and void in this movie. Uh, moving on to the score... Score quickly, Matthew Morris. Um, his score is kind of playful and goofy. I guess that's kind of what they wanted, considering the fact that a it seems like this is directed at a teenage audience, and you know, like I said, they're cashing in on the hype of the turtles craze and whatnot. But also because there's so much humor that's added to it. Um, critics, <laughs> so critics were not a fan of this film. Um, the Rotten Tomatoes score alone has it at a low 35%. And the film was really not that successful. I mean, the budget is $3 million. I know that much. Try finding a box office. Count? You can't. VHS sales? Can't. DVD sales? Can't. Like, I couldn't find anywhere where the movie made money. Um, but I know they spent $3 million on it. And I mean, there's, there's even articles on the internet, like, uh, what is it? Den of geek has like this full article they released in 2018 about sci-fi movies that went under the radar, sci-fi and horror films that were great in the nineties. But if you mention them today, like most people wouldn't even know these movies existed, uh, movies like the arrival with Charlie Sheen, uh, time runner, which is another Mark Hamill film tank girl. That was like, I'm And I remember tank girl being in the theaters in the nineties when, you know, back in the day, but it's funny. If you mention tank girl today, there's a lot of people that don't even know what that is. Um, dark city is another one. And dark city is amazing. Dark city is like Johnny mnemonic, which is again, another movie that so many people are like, I've never seen this or I've never heard of it. Johnny mnemonic is a William Gibson story. And especially with this whole resurgence lately of cyberpunk, you would expect Johnny Mnemonic would be more well known, but it's not. Like, 
even like, like I said, like, and I talked about this a few weeks ago, like, you know, Cyberpunk 2077 is... It's getting more positive reviews nowadays, but it's still getting quite the negative flack. And it's amazing how many people aren't realizing all the Easter eggs in it and all the references to prior cyberpunk films like Johnny Mnemonic. This movie, The Giver, gets lumped in with those category, like that category of films. And it's like, I think that was part of why I wanted to talk so much about it is because it's like, this is a movie that me growing up as a kid, like I loved it. And then even I forgot about it for a time, you know, (laughs) like, so, uh, in terms of the criticism from critics, a lot of the criticism was towards Jack Armstrong. The, his portrayal of Sean, um, many felt that he was uninspiring, annoying, or void of any personality at all. Um, I'll be fair. I can see why Mark Hamill was the name they chose to promote this with. I mean, even I've seen, you know, poster artwork where it was like Mark Hamill, Michael Berryman and David Gale. And yet Jack Armstrong is your main character. And they did not feel that he was strong enough to promote this movie on, which could also be why the movie really does go under the radar. IMDb has it at a 5 out of 10, with 5 being the highest percentage of the votes. However, it's interesting that Google users, 91% of them like this film. Deep breath. Podcast Zero Rating. Fun, goofy, preposterous, and cringeworthy, all at the same time, all in a great way. I could probably just leave it at that, but I'll elaborate. Yes, this movie was never destined to win awards. If anything, it would have won a Razzie, maybe. Um, But, I mean, the approach with this film, and I I do this a lot, especially when I know I'm dealing with a lower B, you know, B movie, a low-budget film, whatever. The approach to it is take it for what it is. It's a 90-minute escape from reality. For 90 minutes, I got to watch this movie. I didn't have to think about, you know, pandemics and, you know, impeached presidents and all that other bullshit that people can't stop talking about on social media. No, for 90 minutes, I got to escape to a world where I had a man in a giant suit that looked like a gremlin that was just fixing on another need for some more meth. Like, it was just funny. It's a film that... You know, audiences can just sit back, let it take them on a stupid little ride with monsters and aliens. That's basically what this is. Um, having watched the a- a- the 1989 anime right before diving into this probably helped my opinion of the movie. The 89 movie, not going to lie, or 89 anime, sorry, not movie. Um, not going to lie, the... It's it's fun. It's a really engaging story, but some of the voice acting, especially because I watched the UK dubbed version. Yeah, well, you know, leaves a little to be desired. Let's put it that way. I mean, for the most part, it's not bad, but and Mizuki, like her, her character um, in this, she doesn't cry as much in the anime. She cries a lot. And I was like, all right, it's kind of annoying. But it is what it is. 
I still love that anime. Uh, I hate the fact that the director's cut is actually the milder version of this. Uh, that said, I do have a VHS on the way. I was able to find one at a very low price on the internet. So I will now have the VHS version of this as well. Uh, but I mean, like in terms of saying it's a director's cut, to me it feels like it's a trick. It's, um, I mean, granted the poster was false advertising. I feel like saying the director's cut, this is not a director's cut. It, the Blu-ray is a lesser version of the film. There's some of the blood and the violence taken out, more dialogue put in. Okay, whatever. That being said, though, the movie's still enjoyable nonetheless. Mark Hamill, Michael, Mark, Mark Hamill, Michael Berryman. Trying to say Mark and Mike like after each other, that was kind of rough. Anyways, David Gale, Jeffrey Combs are definite highlights, and we cannot forget our Scream Queen, Linnea Quigley. Uh, even as a, a minor of a role as she's in for this, she is a gem. The effects? The effects are decent. The movie's pacing is quick, and the monsters, the Giver, all of it looks really sweet. Final verdict on this film, 7 out of 10. Maybe I'm being a bit generous, but for sheer stupid entertainment, this movie delivers. And Jimmy Walker, at times, is enjoyable. He's charming. It's just, it's seriously, the raps, they could have taken the rapping stuff out. But, I mean, other than that, like, this, this movie is, it's fun. And that's what it's supposed to be. It's not supposed to like move you. It's not supposed to have some, you know, some great quote where you're like, I'm going to change my life based on this quote. No, it's, it's not that. It's just, it's a fun movie. It's a seven out of 10. And on that note, let's just say thank you for listening. Thank you for returning. First episode of 2021. And yeah, I know probably not what you were expecting but maybe you were i mean if, if you knew i'd been watching the guy for animated series and then the movies and whatnot maybe you knew but yeah i was like one thing that i really was discouraged about with the podcast last year was the amount of times i brought certain topics into the show that should have been left off the show so i was like you know what i gotta correct that this year and I want to do more fun movies and whatnot and try and also do some movies that were not so mainstream. And I thought, what a great way to start off 2021 with The Giver. So that's that. We'll do the where to find the podcast lurkers recommendation. I will announce what next episode will be and then we will skedaddle out of here. Where to find the podcast? Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google, Castbox, FM Player, anywhere you download episodes. And you can find it there. On social media Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Like I said earlier in the episode, I apologize for being very inactive. I'm going to try to rectify that, but. A little thing between me and my audience, social media tends to wear me down quite easily. Um, it's not good for my mental stability. So sometimes I avoid it. 
And unfortunately, the social media aspect of this podcast suffers from that. So we'll try to keep up on it, though. In terms of websites where you can find the podcast, whatlurksbehindpodcastzero.com or the home of the show, thenextlevelnetwork.com. And there's other shows on there as well. But yes, you can find Podcast Zero there. That's about that. Lurker's recommendation. Hmm. I say... You should watch the Giver anime from 1989. And I'll make it easy on you, okay? Because, like, the DVDs are out of print now. It is sort of hard to find. Um, you can find multiple episodes on YouTube, but you got to really look for it. Easiest way to watch this, you can download it for free from archive.org. Yep. Now, I mean... The, quality is not great it's not high definition you're not getting 4k resolution here it's about a 480p but it's watchable that's how i watched it and it was well worth it watch that though and then watch this movie and you'll you'll definitely see the differences um but yeah that's about it next episode okay so i said i was going to do things differently this year and one of the things that I want to do this year is do themed episodes. So I've done the Giver. Next episode will be its sequel, the Giver Dark Hero, Giver Dark Dark Hero Part Two or Giver Part Two. It's got like a bunch of names as well. Um, but yeah, uh, the next episode will be the sequel because there's a lot to talk about. There's differences definitely between the original and the sequel. And the sequel is, without spoiling a lot, one of those moments in history where the sequel was actually better than the original. So if I'm giving this a seven, you can automatically assume next week's episode will be a bit more of a banger. Um, so yeah, next episode will be The Giver Dark Hero. Closing track. Um, yeah, doing this because I discovered this artist. Okay, this is an interesting one because uh, Canadian artist. Canadian metal band known as Living Dead Girl. But if you look them up on the internet, you get two different Living Dead Girls. It's because there is also an electronic band from the UK. It's a duo known as Living Dead Girl. Um, who would have known that Living Dead Girl would become such an iconic thing? I mean, it's been a song by Rob Zombie, but that was based off the movie. And now you have two bands with that name and whatnot. Anyways... Uh, the Canadian band Living Dead Girl, female-fronted band, just released their single Exorcism, so that's what we're going to close out with. And that's that. Again, thank you for tuning in. I know, I said, you know, going into 2020 or 2021, I'm going to change things up. And <laughs> yeah, pretty much the same kind of show you guys were getting most of last year. But um, yeah, that's that. So we'll close out with Living Dead Girl and next episode... The Giver Part 2. Thanks for listening, everyone. Keep it creepy. It's a cut. You need to shut the fuck up.